On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. Hey, welcome in. This is Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks for joining us on Thursday night. Uh, wow, a lot of baseball news has happened this week, despite really not, you know, maybe not like life altering moves. It is award season, of course. MVP awards being announced tonight. A lot of Brewers talk as far as the 40 man roster. We're going to start with those guys here in just a little bit. Explain to you what tomorrow's non tender deadline is all about. Uh, also talk a little bit about the new rules. I got to rant a little bit later on about uh, MVP tonight and with uh, Shohei Otani and Manager of the Year stuff. So stick around for that. Uh, I do want to preface this show that if you are you know listening live, thank you because that means you're not probably watching the Packer game. So I really appreciate you joining us here on WTMJ. And if you are listening live right now, that means that well this show is taped. So. Don't bother with the text line today. We will be live on Tuesday, though. That's right, a Tuesday episode next week. Uh, Well, Thursday's Thanksgiving, so we moved it up. We're going to have Tuesday night next week. That will be live. We'll take your texts. We'll take your calls uh, right here on WTMJ, 8 o'clock, same time, just on Tuesday next week. But again, tonight is pre-taped. But if you're listening on the podcast, that doesn't matter to you because uh, that's how you're catching in right now. So let's talk a little bit about... The 40-man additions, let's talk a little bit about what the Brewers have ahead of them with tomorrow's non-tender, non-tender deadline, and this is kind of how the offseason officially begins, like leading in Thanksgiving right after Thanksgiving, because the winter meetings are right around the corner, because after tomorrow, teams know exactly how much room they have to wheel and deal, if you will. So let me explain on what all this means and why you saw the movement on Tuesday for the Brewers roster. Uh, I've talked about it plenty of times on this show, in case you haven't heard about it before. There is something called the Rule 5 Draft. The Rule 5 Draft allows, in layman's terms, other teams to pluck your minor league prospects from your farm based on X number of years they've been in your organization. It varies from a college player, an international player, and a high school player. The point is, is that you can grab somebody that a team feels that you know, they haven't rewarded them by placing them on the 40-man roster. By being put on the 40-man roster, i.e. the reserve roster, if you will, for baseball's version, that means you're protected. Nobody else can take, you know, you. But that means there's a pay raise with that. There's an expectation that you're probably going to play on the big league roster at some day. So they don't want to waste these spots. And that's why the 40-man roster is only 14 extra spots as opposed to the 26-man roster. And mind you, Guys on the 15- and 10-day IL count to the 40-man roster, but guys on the 60-day IL do not count to the 40-man roster. So keep that in mind. After Tuesday's moves, Tuesday was the night, the deadline to say, if you are not on the roster by 5 o'clock Eastern time, Tuesday night, you are eligible to be plucked in the Rule 5 draft coming up during the winter meetings in a couple of weeks. So that gives teams a chance to do their due diligence on players and figure out if they want to play for those guys. Now, we can have the Rule 5 process conversation later on when the time comes. But here are the four guys the Brewers determined to protect for uh, this coming Rule 5 draft and why they did it. I'm just going to do my three little monitoring system. Do the good, the great, and the monitor, meaning three little bullet points, what they did well, what they do great, and what we need to keep an eye on moving forward for these four players. Let's start with the headliner, the guy you've probably heard of the most, Bryce Terang. Bryce Terang, 2018 first round pick, 21st pick overall. 
He's only going to be 23 years old on Monday. Has Doesn't it feel like we've been talking about Bryce Terang for a lot longer than that? I- incredible rise for him, a prospect that's really done everything he's been asked to do. Uh, he even played a little bit of center field this year. More on that in a second. But Bryce Terang had a really, really Really good year in AAA. Again, as one of the youngest players in AAA at only 22 years old. Played in 131 games. He hit a 286 this season. He had a 412 slugging, which was his best rate yet. Uh, awaited runs created plus of 108, which means he's eight points above average for his league. Let's roll good things. So let's start with the good. It's that. He found a little bit more power. His slash line improved a 360 on base as well. A 342 bat the ball. He doesn't strike out a lot. He finds a way to get the ball in play. Yes, he hits ground balls a lot, but hey, he's putting the ball in play. And in the no-shift era, that could really help him out moving forward. So that's the good. What's the great about Bryce Terang? The great is he's one of the best defenders in all of baseball. Uh, he's got a great, great glove. It's rated as his best tool, a 60 grade by some evaluators on the 2080 scale. He's somebody that can be playing defensive shortstop in the big leagues today, one evaluator told me earlier this season. So... Uh, I'm really excited to see what they decide to do with him defensively. And another great piece that I think that's kind of underreported about Bryce, and this is going to be huge for next season if he is in the big league level, he had 34 stolen bases last year in AAA. He only was caught twice. So with the new rules, the bigger bases, the pickoff restrictions, he was dealing with that in AAA. So who's to say he can't do it in the big leagues? So his speed is certainly something that's great as well. Last thing to monitor with Bryce Terang. He played a little bit all over. He's barely played second base. And we've talked all offseason saying, well, if the Brewers didn't pick up Colton Wong's option or if Colton Wong is traded, more on that a little bit later on in the show, that you would think Bryce Terang is going to go play second base. You know he's not going to play third. We know that for a fact. I'd be absolutely flabbergasted if they put Arias at second and Terang at third if they do move Wong. I'd, I'd be absolutely shocked. He's a middle infielder. He's a middle-type player. So he's only played 45 games in his career at second base in the minors. Only seven this past year in AAA. He even had a little bit of center field. I think that's just an experiment for him. He is a middle infielder through and through. So what's the monitor is... Well, how's he going to get playing time? What are the Brewers going to do at second base? And what are they going to do in the future with Willie Adamas? That can is still being kicked down the road. As we talk about extensions with Burns and Woodruff and Adamas, uh, this kid is a shortstop. So what are the Brewers going to do in that regard? The next guy, Abner Uribe, 22 years old, flamethrower and righty. He was an international signee out of the Dominican Republic, part of the uh, signing class on July 2nd, as most years are back in 2018. What's the good about Abner Uribe? Well, he's, as I tweeted, the Dominican Nuke Lelouch. (laughs) I mean, if you've watched Bull Durham, you know what I'm talking about. He's got electric talent trying to figure it all out. Sometimes doesn't know where the ball is going, so keep an eye on that. He's got a nasty slider. He can touch 100. He's even touched 103 on some scouts' radar guns. Absolutely, absolutely nasty stuff when he knows where it's going. The great is that while he missed most of this season due to injury with a torn meniscus in April, he did reappear in the Arizona Fall League, and he pitched great in the Arizona Fall League. Ten innings, four runs, only one was earned, one homer, 14 strikeouts in 10 innings, but here's the best stat. Only two walks. 
Huge for Uribe as we talk about him needing control and after missing really the entire year to come back showing control with only two walks is something to monitor moving into 2023. He will be in the minor leagues in 2023. I don't think he's going to be breaking camp with the big league team this coming spring. Next, a guy that could break camp uh, on the big league team, Cam Robinson. Some evaluators thought that he had the stuff in AA that maybe he could go straight to the big leagues. The Brewers decided to go go to AAA route, and maybe that was the right call because he did struggle a little bit in AAA. But Cam Robinson, uh, 23 years old, he was drafted in 2017 out of high school in Orlando, uh, 23rd round pick. 23rd, and he's now on the 40-man roster. So congrats to him, a heck of a story. He was a starter, but then in 2020, of course, the minor league season being canceled, the Brewers decided to make him a full-time reliever coming out of the pandemic and into 2021. His velo went up, his control got better, and he became a really elite ground ball pitcher. He's sitting 95 with a fastball that cuts. Uh, He's really got a really elite ground ball rate. I know I'm saying really a lot, but it's something for Cam Robinson to keep an eye on as Joe Arolt said in a great article written by Adam McCalvey in MLB.com, Joe Arolt, manager in Appleton of the uh, Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, says he wants the ball in the ninth inning. He's a back-end bullpen guy. And if you're already developing somebody like that in the minor leagues that isn't shy about the ninth inning, sign me up. I love having developed winners, guys that are competitive, that want the ball at any given moment, especially in the ninth inning when the game matters most. Love the sound of that. 25 saves led all of minor league baseball last year, and Cam Robinson, Brewers prospect, now on the 40-man, has that. Something to monitor, though, as we mentioned, struggling in AAA. He had a 6-plus ERA in AAA in his few outings, zero saves in Nashville. So I imagine he's probably going to go back to Nashville unless the Brewers have a need, if there's an injury or something coming out of camp. They really like this kid a lot, and I wonder what it's gonna, the future is going to be for Cam Robinson. And finally, wow, where do I begin with John Singleton? What a story for John Singleton. The oldest one of this list, he's 31. This isn't a traditional 40-man you know, roster ad. There's a few things that I see here with John Singleton. If you're not familiar with the story, let me give you the Cliff Notes version. John Singleton was an eighth-round pick by the Phillies back in 2008, or excuse me, 2009. Uh, he was the centerpiece of the Hunter Pence trade from the Astros to the Phillies back in 2011, and it just never really panned out with the Astros. And something that I want to bring up, too, you may see that he was suspended. He was not suspended for PEDs. He was suspended for marijuana usage. And obviously, times have really changed in the last eight years since he was suspended. In fact, they've changed so much that marijuana is now legal in minor league baseball. So uh, I, I don't I'm not quick to judge on that suspension. And it the rules are rules. I understand that. But the world is really come around a little bit, I think, on marijuana. This isn't supposed to be a political soapbox, but I'm just saying, don't hold that over him. I think he has really learned and grown up as a human, as a man, and understanding, like, hey, I need to perform and be better. And he has done everything possible. He was released in the 2018 season while serving a 100-game suspension for the Astros due to marijuana use. Then resurfaces in the Mexican Winter League in 2021. Brewers take a flyer on him last year and bring him into spring training as a minor league signee. And he led the minor leagues in walks, over 130 walks. He had his best walk rate, which is something that I mark as great, that the the great eye is still there for John Singleton. Something to monitor is the fact that he's still depth. He's not going to make the team unless there's an injury to Rowdy Tellez, just like we said when he was first signed last spring training. So it's a great story, and he's depth. I don't see him really 
making an impact on the big league club yet, unless something else happens injury-wise, trade-wise, something like that. But the biggest compliment I can give John Singleton, I think the Brewers gave to him, is the fact that they believe in him enough to put him on the 40-man roster, to have him back, and to say, we like this guy enough that we don't want anyone else to have a chance at him. We don't want him to be a free agent. We don't want him to suddenly disappear. They have glowing remarks about John Singleton and what he did in AAA this year, what he's been leadership-wise for the team. It, it's a not so much. It's more than a feel-good story. It's a good story. So we'll see John Singleton in big league camp. He is on the 40-man roster, which currently sits at 39. Okay, beefy first segment. we got plenty more to talk about here on your home of the Brewers. This is Brewers Weekly. Let's talk a little hot stove and non-tenders coming up next. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. Welcome back. Award season rolling on here on Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Petronio. We're going to have an award segment coming up later on in the show. And a quick reminder, this is a pre-taped episode. Uh, Thanks for listening if you are listening live. But if you're listening on the podcast, you'll understand. Uh, I actually record this and this show would air before the announcement is made for MVP. Now, we know AL MVP is going to be Aaron Judge. I'm going to have a rant about Shohei Otani a little bit later on in the show. The NL is where it's wide open, but more on that a little bit later on coming up. I want to explain to you a quick definition here about the non-tender deadline that's coming up here tomorrow. What is the non-tender deadline? It basically means a player that is eligible uh, for arbitration, that's six years or less, even not eligible for arbitration, but has service time added to uh, the team this past season. If a team decides to non-tender a player. Just simply, they're not tendering them a contract, which means that player becomes a free agent. The big thing to remember from last year, there were two players at the Brewers non-tendered. That was Daniel Vogelback, and that was John Curtis. They're just essentially releasing the player, right? You're not getting anything back. You're not getting uh, a draft pick, compensation, anything like that. They are just unrestricted free agents after you non-tender them. The only way you can do this non-tender is if they're arbitration eligible or pre-arbitration eligible. Free agents are obviously free agents. You uh, you aren't going to non-tender a, you know, for lack of a better term, a Christian Yelich, you know, because he has a, a deal and had a rough year. No, when you have a guaranteed deal, there's a lot more that goes into it. This is for the guys with less than six years of service time. I'm trying to wrap my head around the thought of who could be non-tender candidates for the Brewers. Because remember, with the 40-man roster currently being at 39, the Brewers can get creative coming up at the winter meetings. Maybe they have Rule 5 picks they want to steal from other teams. Because uh, when you do go to the Rule 5 draft and you pluck a player from somebody, they have to be placed on your 40-man roster. So keep that in mind. Maybe they want a reunion with Brad Boxberger, as we hinted in last week's episode, talking about the fact that the Brewers... Had Brad Boxberger clear waivers at his price for his option, so maybe they could re-sign him for cheaper. So that's a spot that maybe you might keep open. Who knows? But when I think about this roster and I think about the 40-man, there's really not a lot of dead weight, if you will, for lack of a better term. But it's just that there are guys that contributed in big ways this past year in depth fashion. I'm not saying they're going to be front-of-the-line pitchers or key position players. They've already outrighted a few of these players, like uh, Pablo Reyes was already outrighted right at the start of the offseason, so he's not on the 40-man roster anymore as far as the utility infielder goes. A couple of candidates that came to mind for me were Trevor Kelly and Jason Alexander. Now, I hesitate on the latter, on Alexander, because starting pitching depth is not easy to find, and 
you still have Ethan Small's status kind of in the air of what the heck happened to him in the second half of last season. If you don't subscribe to Baseball America, you should. Uh, Todd Rosiak of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel actually contributes to Baseball America as well. He wrote a good piece on the mixed bag season that it was for Ethan Small, so I encourage you to check that out on Baseball America, talking to Tom Flanagan and talking about some stuff. But Small is still on the 40-man roster, so there's a little bit of pitching death. You still have Adrian Hauser, of course, who's arbitration eligible. You have Jason Alexander coming back as of now, unless you non-tender him. And after just you know a few months in the big leagues, I don't see a reason to non-tender him unless you have to. And that leads me to the other one. Trevor Kelly, it seems like the Brewers still have a surplus of arms. If there is somewhere that they can afford non-tendering a player, it's probably Trevor Kelly like they did last year with John Curtis. Now, Kelly isn't hurt. John Curtis was hurt. He wasn't going to pitch at all last year anyway. That might be part of the reason why for that. But when I look at this roster, those are the two only guys that really jump out to me. You may be saying, oh, what about Keston here? What about Tyrone Taylor? You're not going to do that unless you have to, especially in the the fact that neither of those guys have options remaining. You may want to wait until spring training to make a decision like that. And when I say you may want to wait until you have to is, Maybe you don't non-tender anybody. Maybe just keep the 39 as it is. And then you just simply put a guy on waivers or you cut a guy uh, based on uh, a deal being made or corresponding moves and things of that nature. So uh, that's something to keep an eye out moving forward on. But this is the non-tender deadline basically saying like, hey, these guys are going to be tendered contracts. And these two guys, they're going to be league minimum type guys. So it's not like you're going to be saving a boatload of cash by cutting a Trevor uh, or a Trevor Kelly or Jason Alexander. Something to keep an eye out. If there is a shocking non-tender tomorrow, I'll certainly be tweeting about it at Dom underscore Catronio. But you generally don't see anything you know, out of the ordinary on this day, especially for the team like the Brewers that seem pretty set position player-wise and pitching-wise that a lot of the roles will be intact moving in to 2023. Let's talk a little hot stove. You may have seen the rumors today about Colton Wong being linked to Seattle. Jerry Depoto is always loving to make trades. More on that in a moment here on your home of the Brewers, WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Welcome back, Brewers Weekly. Thanks for joining us while the Packers are playing live here on WTMJ or if you're joining us on the podcast on WTMJ.com or on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for being here the day after as well. I'm Dominic Catronio. So, quick note on the podcasting front, we are working on Spotify. So tell your friends if you are interested or if you're listening from my Twitter. I have exchanged some DMs with some uh, fans of the show. I appreciate you guys reaching out. My DMs are open. I'm really bad about checking them, guys. I'm sorry about that. But you can mention me. You can tweet at me. And I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can. I'll get to a few questions that were tweeted to me as well in this show. But yes, we are working on Spotify. I promise. That is something that we got coming up. And after Thanksgiving... You're going to see that podcast feed populate a little bit more often, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Hot stove. Okay, today we saw rumors Colton Wong being linked to the Seattle Mariners. Now, you may be asking yourself, wait a minute, I thought he's coming back. I thought the Brewers picked up his option. What the heck's going on? Well, just because the Brewers picked up his option doesn't mean that he's staying put. $10 million to play for the Brewers or whoever he goes to. This coming from John Morosi of MLB Network. The Mariners inquired on the Brewers' availability of second baseman Colton Wong. One year left before free agency. Wong, a left-handed hitter, coming off a career-high 118 OPS+. We talked about the numbers last week when we were kind of surprised, not really surprised about his option being picked up. 
But there are a few teams that are certainly interested in adding a bat like Colton Wong. Yes, it's only for one year, but he's a proven winner. He's won a World Series. He's won two gold gloves. He showed off his power his last two years in Milwaukee, which, quite frankly, with the way he makes it sound, he wasn't allowed to show off his power. Lewis, so love to hear that for him. The Brewers are kind of in a win-win here. All right, if somebody makes a trade for Colton Wong, Brewers are going to try to do their best to make sure they add something good back. If nobody wants Colton Wong, cool. Get to keep Colton Wong for a third straight year and the exact deal that you signed him for. I think the Brewers are in, in the driver's seat there. As far as other teams, aside from Seattle, that could be linked to Colton Wong, keep an eye on the Red Sox because, look, with the Bogart situation, with the Devers situation, who knows what's going to happen. Let's say Bogart's leaves. They just slide Trevor Story over to short. They're going to need a second baseman. I don't know if Jeter Downs is going to be the answer or not, but Boston could be a player. The White Sox are most definitely a player. To, you know, Josh Harrison, see what he does this offseason, but he wasn't exactly the same offensive output as a Colton Long this past year. So those are a couple of teams that I look out for here, uh, maybe in the market for Colton Long. You may have heard about the qualifying offers being signed this week. Jock Peterson and Martin Perez. Uh, Jock coming back to the Giants and Perez going back to the Rangers. Now the Rangers are talking about spending some money, money, especially on the free agent market. Uh, they've been linked to Jacob deGrom for a while. But for those two guys, I think that makes sense for them to accept the qualifying offer, go back to the teams that offer them, bet on themselves, because especially for Perez, seemed like a one-year deal where, wait, this looked like a really good version of Martin Perez all of a sudden. He pitches in a pitcher's park in Texas, so that's all good stuff for him. And for Jock, I wonder how the shift is going to impact him. He hinted that, and a few writers have hinted that as well. The no-shift rule certainly could help out Jock Peterson uh, in the future in 2022, or excuse me, in 2023. Maybe he'll get a few more knocks, maybe a few more doubles, maybe a couple more stolen bases. You never know. Uh, big left-handed sluggers are going to be the ones that benefit the most from the shift ban in 2023. A couple of trades that happened, or at least some free agent signings. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez traded to the Mariners. We talked about Jerry DePoto. That man is not afraid to wheel and deal. Nobody's made more trades in baseball since he joined the Mariners by far. It's pretty hilarious. Cespedes Family Barbecue has an Excel sheet of all of his trades he's made since he joined the Mariners, so keep an eye on that. But this is a really good deal for the Mariners. He was an all-star in 2021. He had 25 homers last year. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez for big league reliever Eric Swanson and a minor league pitcher. It's a one-year, obviously, for Hernandez. He's one year heading into his final year of arbitration, so it's not going to be a long-term thing in Seattle for Hernandez, but I like that. They need a little more consistent power. It sounds like they're going to let Mitch Hanniger walk uh, in the outfield. They really have a ton of options to choose from. they got to figure out Jared Kelnick. Obviously, have the rookie of the year, Julio Rodriguez, but Seattle's got something growing out there in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, free agent signings, Tyler Anderson just going across the freeway from the Dodgers to the Angels. This is a good pickup for the Angels, making an attempt to bolster the pitching with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout still on the roster. Three years, $39 million. It's a pretty good deal for him. Uh, and finally, Anthony Rizzo re-signing with the Yankees after a day after the Astros declaring him as their top target, which made me chuckle a little bit. And you heard me say it last week. I said I would be shocked if Rizzo went anywhere other than the Yankees. And yes, that ballpark works perfectly for Anthony Rizzo. Where's DeGrom going to go? Whether What's going to happen with extensions? What's going to happen with Correa? What's going to happen with Bogarts? A lot to be figured out. I think all that's going to come around winter meetings time. Uh, let's talk. I need to get my rant. I need to get something off my chest for award season. That's coming up next on your home of the Brewers, WTMJ. 
Catronio. If you haven't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Dom, D-O-M underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. I'm also on Wisconsin Morning News these days as well, so if you want to wake up early, if you're on your way to work, I got your sports updates uh, with Vince Vitrano and Eric Bilstadt. Really uh, enjoyed my first week with the team in the mornings with the early wake-up calls, so you can tune in there as well. But I need to get something off my chest here, okay? It's award season. We're not talking MVP really in this segment. I just... This is my thought, okay? I love Shohei Otani. I think Shohei Otani, I can't wait to tell my grandkids about Shohei Otani. I can't wait to tell the stories about him. It, it fell under the radar with the Cy Young voting, both Cy Young Award winners being unanimous, Sandy Alcantara and Justin Verlander. Shohei was fourth, you guys. Shohei finished fourth in AL Cy Young voting. Think about that for a sec. He was just unanimous MVP in 2021. And then he follows it up going fourth an MVP, or excuse me, in Cy Young in the AL, and likely tonight being second in American League MVP voting, only because Aaron Judge broke an all-time American League record. Okay, here's my rant. I'm fine if Shohei Otani doesn't win the MVP this year. I'm totally fine with that. I've talked about the fact that I probably would vote for Judge this year because this is the perfect scenario where... The only performance that can overshadow what Shohei has done this year is what Aaron Judge did. In 30 years down the road, when we look at what's hopefully a massively impressive block of black ink for Shohei Otani on his pitcher page on Baseball Reference, and we're like, man, how did he not win MVP in 2022? Then you click in, oh wait, that was the year Aaron Judge. I think that's what's going to happen 30 years down the road. But this isn't about... Oh, it's because they didn't make the playoffs. Oh, it's because uh, it's not a very good team or all that stuff. I think that's a bunch of malarkey, personally. The whole not making the playoffs, what's the definition of most valuable, most versus player. I, I think that's, you know, quite frankly, BS. I mean, without, you know, saying it. Because just pull it away. Look at the dang numbers. He's the best player on the planet. He plays the game better than anybody. He's a top four pitcher in his league, and he's a top two hitter in his league by according to the MVP voting. This is incredible. This is the main rant I want to get out here, and it links to the manager of the year voting. I'm not taking anything away from what the Orioles did this year and what Brandon Hyde has done this year in Baltimore. But with him finishing second, by a boat race over Scott Service in third place for the Mariners. I don't ever want to hear about, oh, MVP's not on a winning team, or oh, he's not on a winning team. Brandon Hyde had the second most first place votes for manager of the year. His team didn't make the playoffs, okay? All these riders have been telling me all these years, oh, he's got to make the playoffs. He's more valuable. It's all this stuff. Like, I get it. The Orioles have stunk the last few years. I understand. And I'm not taking anything away from Brandon Hyde. He should probably be third or fourth in AL Manager of the Year voting, in my opinion. I think Dusty Baker got absolutely ignored in the AL race. But I digress. I don't ever want to hear about, oh, he's on a bad team, he's on a playoff team, he doesn't deserve the award. Brandon Hyde, yes, they finished 500, or one game above 500. They didn't make the playoffs. They didn't make the playoffs. And he finished second in AL Manager of the Year. Second, he had nine first place votes. Where's the connection there? If you're think if you're yelling at me like, but Dom, the Orioles stink. So do the Angels. 
So why does that automatically disqualify Otani? I can't wait to see the ballot tonight of how many first-place votes go to Otani. I know Judge is going to win, but I'm really excited to see how many first-place votes go to Otani. And again, Brandon Hyde, heck of a year. He's great to the media. His team loves him. Orioles are going to be very interesting next year. That's just my mini rant. I'm sick of hearing this, oh, he didn't make the playoffs, or oh, he... MVP should be the most valuable player on the most valuable team. No, it doesn't matter. Just look at the numbers. Tell me if they're good or not. My ballot in the AL would have gone Terry Francona, Dusty Baker, Scott Service, and then probably Brandon Hyde. How does Dusty Baker not get the final three, but Dave Roberts does in the National League? All Dave Roberts do had to write a lineup card and say, yeah, that one looks good today. He had the best dang roster in baseball. Dusty Baker doesn't get that benefit of the doubt. That, that just annoys the heck out of me. Okay, I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm over it. I'm going to be okay. Okay. Exhale. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Okay. We're all right. Let's talk a little bit about the shifting rules coming up as we're winding down the show here this week on Brews Weekly on WTMJ. Hey, we got some Rob Manfred comments to talk about here. Hi, everybody. This is Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Petronio, the commissioner speaking at the quarterly owners meetings yesterday, or I should say today. Uh, There's a lot to talk about from this, including the rule changes and what to think of those. In case you've been living under a rock in baseball, let me just quickly remind you of what's to come in 2023. Of course, no shifting by the infield. That's a key caveat. You have to have four infielders on the dirt, both feet on the dirt at the time of the pitch. They have to be on either side of second base. Uh, That doesn't include outfielders, right? So I can't wait for Tampa Bay to move a left fielder over into shallow right field for a Joey Gallo or a Jack Peterson and watch the world burn just because some people like to watch it burn. So just infielders, the shift is banned for you have to have two infielders on either side. No more overshifting. It doesn't mean, you know, a shortstop can still be pinching toward the middle. A third baseman can still be way off the line. A first baseman can still be way off the line. It's just you got to have two on either side. Another rule change. The pitch clock. A lot of folks are excited about this. 15 seconds when there's nobody on base between pitches. 20 seconds when there's somebody on base. You're only allowed three pickoffs maximum per plate appearance. And if you don't get the runner on the third pickoff, it is a balk. The runner will advance to the next base. That's exciting. But remember, the pitch clock also matters to the batter. The batter has to be in the box by a certain, uh, I believe it's the 12-second mark, uh, or excuse me, the 8-second mark with nobody on. And basically, if he's not ready to go, it's strike one on him. Or if the pitcher's not ready to go, it's ball one on him. We'll see how that's actually implemented, but the pitch clock is coming next season. And then a smaller rule change, the bases are larger by three inches. So it's now, you know, instead of 90 feet, it's now 89 feet and nine inches. So maybe you'll get a few more stolen bases, a little shorter path. You've seen how many bang-bang plays there are. I'm excited about the stolen base aspect. That speed is coming back into the game. Now, uh, Rob Manfred, as we mentioned, speaking to the media at the owners' meetings, and I'm waiting to hear more, not so much talking about this report between the Mets and the Yankees uh, overstepping their bounds, perhaps, about talking to Aaron Judge, uh, basically implying and not implying there's tampering and that there's a bidding war maybe unfolding between the Mets and the Yankees and that there is improper communication. I'm going to let more come out about that before I even touch that. But as Manfred was talking to the media, he also hinted the fact that we may see more rule changes in 2024. And here's the quote. He says, I will say this. I am aware and cognizant, maybe the best word, that we're doing a lot next year, as in 2023. 
And sometimes you need to make sure to see how it's a lot of big changes next year. And I think they're really important. I think they're going to make the game better, but we need to watch carefully how they unfold. That's an important variable in terms of what's next. I've repeated a quote. That's the end of the quote. I've repeated a quote from Craig Council this past spring training to a lot of folks have asked me about all the new rules and how it's leaked out and everything. Craig Council earlier back in uh, March was talking about when this stuff was first leaking and people were talking about it coming out of the lockout. And it has always stuck with me. Craig Council saying, well, kudos for Major League Baseball for trying. You know, if we do this pitch clock for a year and it absolutely sucks and we got to figure out what's next, all right, at least we tried it because everyone in the minor leagues loves it. And they're saying, can't wait to see in the bigs. Can't wait to see it in the bigs. That's a great sign. It's not this, oh, you're forcing it up. Like the automated strike zone, right? The automated strike zone's been being tested since 2019. And it's still not going to be in place in 2023 and probably not even in 2024. That goes to show you, baseball wants to get it right, but kudos for them for trying. It's not a bad thing for trying. I'm all for it. I'm in. I'm ready for it. I'm excited to see baseball go back to what it's supposed to be as far as athletes and put the bat to ball and get rewarded for it, not hit a 110-mile-an-hour screamer into shallow right center field. That was a hit for 100 years, and now is suddenly a line drive out. Uh, also, funny that Rob Manfred commented briefly on FTX. Uh, obviously, the FTX development was a little jarring, Manfred said. We have been moving very carefully moving forward in this space. Don't get involved with crypto, kids. It just, it just sounds like a lot. Okay, let's uh, get ready to wrap up the show next here on the Home of the Brewers, WTMJ. top of the hour as a reminder of the upcoming schedules and how I want you to be involved with the show the show moving forward. I'm Dominic Catronio. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. That's the easiest way to get all my information. Uh, in the process of making an Instagram account, you'll see that on Twitter as well because who knows what the heck Elon is doing with Twitter these days. I want to have a backup plan to be able to communicate with everybody as well. Uh, but I'm just Dom, D-O-M underscore C-O-T. R-O-N-E-O. So upcoming schedule. Of course, next Thursday, it's Thanksgiving. Hope you're with the family. Hope you're watching the football, enjoying, sit back, and relaxing. Our show is going to be on Tuesday night. So Tuesday night, Brewers Weekly, 8 o'clock. That will be a live show. So the, the talk and text line will be live for that show. We'll be able to get to your stuff live as well. A couple of questions that have come in on Twitter for this show. One from Jake, thinking that Trey Turner will be a great fit for the team. He's a long shot to sign. Yes, Jake, he is a very long shot to sign. Of course he would fit. He's a great player, but the Brewers are not going to afford a $300 million shortstop anytime soon. As long as uh, Christian Yelich, $210 million in left field, was the highest paid contract, they're going to tread lightly in that regard. Another question from Jake. What are the logical free agents for the Brewers? I encourage you to listen to last week's show. I talked about Jose Abreu, and honestly... Omar Narvaez bringing him back, I think, makes a lot of sense, especially given he's getting a lot of pub as saying, hey, here's an under-the-radar catching prospect that you should hear about. And everyone's talking about Wilson Contreras and Christian Vasquez. A lot of people are forgetting about Omar Narvaez, and I would be fine of bringing back Omar. Also, I think, even though they've added John Singleton, I really do think 
that uh, Jose Abreu would be a great fit for this team. He also, Jake mentioned Mike Zanino and Kevin Kiermeyer. Zanino, a really big injury history, as well as Kevin Kiermeyer, and the Brewers just have too many outfielders going on right now. Brian asked, is placing John Singleton on the 40-man surprising? It is a little surprising, but at the same time, he's depth. Uh, he's not going to be suddenly taking at bats from Rowdy Telez. He's not suddenly going to be you know, an everyday DH or anything like that, but he's somebody that, the Brewers think kindly enough enough to put on the 40-man, and also Brian mentioned, could he be part of a trade package? Maybe that's why they put him on the 40-man, to signal they are serious about his development and what he has become. Just a couple of quick questions from today's Twitter uh, folks. Remember, you can always tweet in questions at Dom underscore Catronio throughout the week or when I'm doing Wisconsin Morning News as well. I'll make sure to answer them here on the show uh, moving forward as well. So, again... We're upcoming live on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. You can catch me tomorrow morning on Wisconsin Morning News, hopefully recapping uh, a Packers win for everybody to be a little more happy uh, in your Friday morning. For our producer, Justin Pottinger, I'm Dominic Catronio. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you on Tuesday. Until next time, keep on swinging.